0: Hi, welcome to Conscious Consumption, where I'll be here discussing um, personal thoughts, ideas and revelations about the universe, consciousness, being green, being climate aware and uh, how to be much happier, healthier beings in our lives. So, I hope you enjoyed this uh, series of episodes of kind of stream of consciousness um, rambling about my own truth and universal understanding. So, stay tuned and welcome to Conscious Consumption. When I think about parallel worlds, it reminds me of multi-dimensions, or other dimensions, or other, perhaps, perceptive realities. I mean, we are observing and participating in one reality, one reality that is constructed, one model of reality that is constructed on sensory information. What we hear, what we see, what we touch, what we smell, what we taste, all these uh, sensory tools and things that are coming into our various uh, elements of consciousness are all construct- constructing a certain reality. There are parallels between your reality and mine, how we both perceive things, how we both are familiar with certain forms or we have similarly constructed certain understanding and preconcepts about. What exists, what is there, what is not there, how things should be, how things should look, how things should be formed, how things should relate and react and correspond, etc. But it's interesting when you start to take away certain senses, uh, more specifically I want to talk about sight. Suddenly you close your eyes. Our memory of the shape of a house is, you know, very structural. It has sides, it's squares, it's lines. There are certain different types of squares, all very structured and stable and symmetrical, because it has to stand up. When you close our eyes, the concept of the house, our memory and understanding of the house, is there, but we don't see it. So suddenly this perceptive tool, our vision, all coming through this prefrontal visual cortex is where so much information is being related and transferred and, and then you know, used to construct a certain understanding of the world around us and how we interact with it. And what's interesting when we, when we think about different practices or even different methodologies that exist. Mostly let's firstly talk about meditation where your eyes are closed. We're taking away this sensory tool. Suddenly the parts of the brain, this thalamus, which is the kind of the processor, suddenly takes a break, you know. And suddenly the brain stops processing visual information and is now searching all the other parts of the brain that might relate to a visual stimuli it starts to interact with other areas of the brain which are quite often dormant, unused asleep or unwoken or hiding or trapped or blocked, however you want to describe it, there's so many different ways Over time, over conditioning, over life, over a long period of time, we are constantly eyes open, we are constantly processing, we are constantly bombarded with information and media and propaganda and information. No wonder that there are certain elements and parts of the brain which are constantly stimulated. And research now, since a while, has proven that these areas of the brain, also known as the default mode network, the DMN, you can research about it. It's really certain parts of the brain which construct our sense of self, our ego, who we are, what I am, how am I, me, and also the relationship between me and you, this, this distance, this, this divide and really these parts of the brain are constantly in process and really what's now being researched is that the overactive, this overstimulation of these certain areas of the brain are reasons why and are almost a direct um, result or a symptom of depression and anxiety, post-traumatic stress syndrome. A lot of these mental illnesses and and problems that a lot of people are facing are because these certain parts of the brain are constantly in high mode, high high stimuli, high rotation, high processing power. And this is fatigue, this is the depression, this is the the this uh this you know, this constant cycle, this loop Um, of these certain areas of the brain. And what's happening in meditation is that these parts of the brain start to slowly let go. I've heard someone describe it as, you know, the DMN is like all the reins of the horses all tied together. And suddenly when you meditate, or we can talk about the psychedelic experience, which is also doing something very similar, You suddenly let go of all the reins and all the horses just kind of run off free um, and explore. And and this is what's happening in in those experiences. Meditation is doing a very similar thing. The visual stimuli is not there anymore. So now the brain is is actually starting to communicate with parts of of the brain. It is trying to construct a reality based on information that is inside the brain, not is what we're seeing coming into the eyes. So this is quite an interesting concept to think about because meditation is doing this with the eyes closed and also very much to do um, in an isolated location, uh, in silence, um, often dealt uh, in relation with... Uh, dieting or fasting so actually at the same time there is also this deprivation of other senses so the foods we eat the other information the sounds the eye contact we might make with people the silence um very simplistic you know uh ways of moving you know a lot of time sitting still so you know this this is whole kind of bringing the attention way down um into something very minimal and very simple um to find you know Natural flow of energy, the natural flow of breath, the natural flow of everything that you are and, and are, are are made of. Um, and most meditation techniques can bring you to this. Some more profound than others. Um, what's also interesting is when we also think about like uh, sensory deprivation, like um, like a deprivation tank when you're in water. So often in the dark, um, low resistance, um, there may be some sort of stimuli sound, but very minimalistic or there to enhance the certain experience. Um, also with the eyes closed, this darkness is happening again. Um, I don't know if you've heard of these dark retreats, which I know a lot of them are in Thailand, but they, I think they are sort of popping up around the world as well. So one experiences, I think, up to ten days or two weeks in complete darkness, um, isolated inside a room or some sort of chamber where you are, obviously given food and water, etc., and being looked after, but it's in complete silence. I don't necessarily know how much communication there is with the outside or with other people, etc. I think it's very much in, um, in an isolated kind of environment but what's happening there also similar in the darkness the eyes are uh, not being able to process uh, visual stimuli or visual information so uh, what's happening on a, on a biological level on a chemistry level is that the um, the melatonin that we, the, the brain creates um, slowly begins to transform so melatonin is a very useful chemical um Created in the body, which helps with sleep, um, which helps with dreams, and this kind of relaxed energy on a uh, neurological level. A lot of people take serotonin um, supplements to help with sleep. Um, a lot of those people just because they don't actually spend enough time with their eyes closed, or meditating, or uh, living in big cities, or constantly in front of a screen. So there's almost like there's too much light, um, which kind of can affect and pollute the mind and the brain and the body. So, um, so what's happening in these dark retreats is that the the uh, the melatonin in the body and the brain, after I think the third day, begins to transform into a compound known as 5-MeO-DMT, um, which is a very fascinating compound produced by the body. Um, very much present in mostly all animals and plant life. Dimethyltryptamine or 5-MeO dimethyltryptamine. Part of those indole tryptamine groups um, which is very similar to a lot of psychedelics. This is a natural psychedelic. This is a psychedelic that we create in our own human form. Um, A lot of uh, research and historical references are linked with How the pineal gland, which is the center of the brain, a small, very small area of the brain, right in the center of the crown, um, is responsible for producing this DMT. Um, So, in an experience like a silent, dark retreat, the natural process of the brain in a darkness setting starts to transform melatonin into 5-MeO-DMT. And 5-MeO-DMT, if anyone has uh, had access to it, or smoked it, um, or consumed it in another form, um, mostly found and used commonly today from the Bufo avarias, the uh, Sonoran Desert toad, the secretions of the toad, and one of the highest forms of 5-MeO-DMT. And these experiences really produce quite an amazing effect. They are capable of re-experiencing this notion of death, this passing on, um, which we can now be seen as basically it's just the ego disappearing, not actual death, but mind and ego disappearing. And this is a a direct result of this chemical being flooded into the system. the brain and the body produces this 5 year DMT naturally. It's said to be found in the blood, it's said to be found in the urine. Um, DMT also exists in a lot of uh, plant and animal life. Um, but the problem is that when we consume it, the stomach enzymes uh, break it down too quickly so we can't have access to it. So that's interesting as well to think about that uh, people that are fasting or are doing lots with diet and are eliminating a lot of things from their diet can actually Um, perhaps um, restore the body in such a way where these enzymes um, allow this DMT to come into the body much more. Um, So, uh, interesting to think about my friend who's a breatharian. She doesn't really partake in much food, solid foods, so it's interesting to see if the diet has an interesting correlation with what's happening with DMT and how the body is transferring and transforming this chemical. I'm just going inside because it's raining. Um, Yes, Um, other forms of DMT are also found in ayahuasca, Um, not in the vine itself but in the leaves and also the vine of the plant is what helps the stomach to allow the DMT to be released. Um, so that's interesting as well. There's this stomach and food relation going on with DMT. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to hear about um, what she's talking about parallel worlds because what DMT is doing is it allows us to let go of the ego, but also to perceive things in a in a new way, or not necessarily in a new way, but in a real way we can uh, question the concept of what is real what is there um the reality that we see right now is basically a construction of all our previous notions and perceptions and understanding and processing of information and technology and and data etc but um i've heard people say that you know the psychedelic experience is just showing everything that is available um far beyond our normal realm of and our normal understanding of 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 uh, of reality itself. So um in a setting like um a therapy session or in a setting like in an ayahuasca ceremony where there's ritual, there's a there's a proper setting, which is really important, um those experiences where the psychedelics are allowing one to see so much more available. We can be guided and helped and assisted to kind of navigate and to work through that information. I think there's so much there, so much knowledge and so much fascinating information to be taken in um, that may give us a lot of keys and understanding to, to what's going on in our own psyche, and our, in our own minds, in our own bodies, in our own spiritual development. So it, I found it really fascinating um, to talk about uh, the mind and, and psychology and also how psychedelics can help to um, bring us a deeper, more richer um, perception of, of so much of what is going on and, and give us so much insight into into many of our questions of, of existence and, and who we are, and where we are, where we're going, etc. And what's most fascinating, I think, is how they can be of therapeutic and healing Effects, um, meditation can bring us to an understanding of of our true nature, of our true understanding of, of of how we are basically just a whole combustion and reaction of elements of fire and water, air and wind and, and energy. You know, um, as soon as we take away a lot of this interference, this common uh, kind of data, or smog and and constant, you know, rush of information, uh, which I like to call, you know, a distraction, um, we can really get to a source. We can get to something much more pure much more simple and much more um, clear to understand and to read um, in our own way, in our own time, in our own space. I think this is really important. So I would like to talk more to... Raki because she is very much in a path where, um, she does a lot of breath work, she's been dieting and fasting for a long time, she's been in a long transition period. Now she experiences, um, uh, and absorbs energy from those things around her, from the sun, from, um, from the elements, and, uh, And she also hasn't had solid food for two and a half years. So it's interesting to know how she perceives this path and also perhaps how she might um, uh, observe perceptual reality and also to understand a bit more about her fascination with parallel worlds. Because I think there's something going on there um, physiologically and um, chemically in her form in her body where those experiences that mystical experience that um that, that that new perception that alternate reality can be experienced because of how we are eliminating and how we are purifying the body and the mind to get to that point so let's um let's go and meet her and have a really great conversation with raki and uh hopefully it'll blow your mind bye bye thanks for listening Thanks for checking out this podcast, Conscious Consumption. I hope to see you very soon and have an awesome day. Bye.